today we have Dan. Dan, is it Allred or Alred? Allred. Allred. Dan Allred. The Dan Allred is back with us today. Listening to the Aggie Parent and Family Podcast, a podcast produced by the Student Orientation and Transition Services here at Utah State University. The Aggie Parent and Family Podcast is a podcast for students and families of USU Aggies. Here we share practical advice from leading USU experts and students to help guide your student in their journey at Utah State. I'm your host, Isaiah Jones, the Transition Parent and Family Coordinator here at Utah State University. So today I thought I'd bring Dan back on the show to talk about the challenge of online classes. And Dan, you used the word asynchronous. And I remember I reached out to a university and I asked them, they're like, oh, the, the online class has both synchronous and asynchronous components. And my Latin tells me that it means at the same time and not at the same time. Is that right, Dan? That is correct. I was actually going to bring up the Latin, but I didn't think I'd be that geeky, but (laughs) (laughs) I say this is a safe space for that. (laughs) Yes, welcome. Well, yeah, and you said it boils down to management strategies and proper communication. So maybe, Dan, tell us a little bit about how you're doing, and then we can jump in. Yeah, so uh, things are going pretty well here. In regards to the asynchronous versus synchronous, the the implications of that, I mean, asynchronous is, is a new word for a lot of people, but what that basically means is, is I interpret that to mean three things. One, it means that there's no dedicated time for class. You don't have to... Mm-hmm log in at a specific time. I mean, and that's, that's really what the word means. But it also has two other implications to it. And they are in the fact that, that you don't have real-time interaction with the, with the professor, with other students. And that in and of itself means that there is going to be an element of self-study to it. That since you can't get immediate responses to questions or you can't get immediate information, you are going to have to do a little extra work while you wait for answers or while, you, you know, while you're on your own in that sense. Kind of the three challenges I see to, to online classes that are a result of this asynchronous format. So how would you say that online classes are different from face-to-face classes? The, uh, the really in all ways they're about the same except for that asynchronous format. Uh, you you still need to be proactive. All the strategies that you could use in a face to face class apply in an online class. They the, the, those strategies translate for both methods. So the biggest difference is just that lack of immediate response, that element of self study there, and that no dedicated time for class. That's really helpful. Have you like just kind of over the years have you seen any pros to cons to those two components? The, I mean, the biggest uh, pro of asynchronous is the fact that you don't have to be somewhere at a specific time. I think we talked about this, how the, the largest population of students that are taking online classes are our Logan on-campus students because it helps free up their schedule. They can take 16, 18 credits, but only have to be on campus for 12 of those credits, you know, so they are able to maintain a schedule that works well with them while still taking a very full load. I mean, that's the biggest, the biggest pro. In terms of cons, if you don't do well with self-management, that is a huge huge problem for online classes. You really have to be on top of things. You really have to self-manage. And if you can't do that, online classes are going to be especially difficult. 
So it sounds like time management and self-management is a huge challenge. What would you say is the most challenging part of online classes? It, it really depends on the circumstances um, and on the individual student. I mean, somebody that is, is uh, very good at time management might struggle with the self-study aspects of online and vice versa. So it really is, I mean, knowing knowing your own strengths and weaknesses is going to be important going in an online class. I have students all the time ask me about, you know, what classes are good or bad based on the format of the class. And my answer is, well, I can tell you what they're like, but really you have to identify where your own strengths and weaknesses lie. Uh, you know, I've met you 15 minutes ago, so I can't give you a real accurate, I can give you some good general answers here, but I can't give you a good accurate, you know, specific answer. Is there a... Uh, management system, Dan, that, that you found helpful? I know that sometimes, as you said, you reach a, a student reaches out, you've known them for a couple of minutes, and they ask you that big daunting question. At the back of your mind, do you kind of give them a general management system that you recommend, or is there something more specific that you like to suggest? Great question, um, and, and great way of phrasing that question. I, I always give some generalities. The answer I usually give is, best system is the one that works for you. This could be keeping track of things in Canvas or using the Canvas calendar. Uh, personally, when I was in online classes, I had a Google calendar uh, that I set up. I set up, in fact, that's the one I used it the most up until now, was uh, using a Google calendar. Um, I've known people that prefer pen and, uh, pencil and paper. You know, They have a, a, a wall calendar or a desk calendar. Um, I will mention that one thing I always, always bring up when it comes to time management is there was a professor at Carnegie Mellon University by the name of Randy Pausch, P-A-U-S-C-A. He was very, he was very well known about, oh boy, it's been about 15 years now uh, since he died for giving what was called a, a, a last lecture. A last lecture is a, a common tradition in a lot of universities. When he gave his last lecture, he was literally dying of, of liver cancer. I think it was. And so, I mean, it made big waves. But he gave a, a lecture on time management that uh, you can find it on YouTube. Just Google Randy Pausch time management. It's marvelous. It's wonderful. He goes over so many different ideas, the whys, the hows um, of time management. And he does it in a way that is, I mean, that when the guy shows up showing a picture of his tumor, you know that time is important to him. <laughs> so there's, there's a certain weight to his words that makes sense. But he doesn't just say, this is the way you should do it. He's like, well, I've, here's a picture of my colleague, you know, this is how they do it. I can't stand this, but go with what works, you know. So there are some guidelines I like to give, though, when it comes to good strategy and how you set up your time is I mean, you, you can determine best, but there are, are, are things that I definitely recommend. First off is the first day of class. Don't spend it studying, spend it scheduling. Plan everything out. Look to see what's due when. Put it on a calendar. Make it so that you've got everything laid out in front of you so you can see, okay, what have I got going on? When is it due? And start looking at, okay, my personal schedule, how is this going to interfere? How is this, you know, how is this going to mesh with what I need to do in my personal life? The second thing is, is the first day of every week, look through that next week and plan out when are you going to do stuff specifically. I mentioned uh, previously that, you know, nights were, were my time to study. So I had a solid two to three hours every night that was uninterrupted. But, you know, if I could, I'd try to plan out, okay, if I've got extra time on this day, I can do this. But if you plan it out specifically for, you know, when it, what days you're going to do certain tasks, then when you sit down to study, you don't have to spend time, oh, what am I going to do? What do I need? You know exactly what you're doing, you know what you need, and you can start immediately. One thing that uh, one of my mentors mentioned to me was he said, listen to your biorhythms. And, yes. and, I, and I listened, and I was like, what does he mean by that? But I've started to see not only sort of the rhythm of life, but also uh, in times that we're in now is 
I've started scheduling what's going on, right? And right now there's so many factors and things are changing all the time that I've now taken that into account in my study habits as well. Would you say that's a good idea? Absolutely. If you hadn't brought it up, I would have mentioned it. I know that for myself, mornings and evenings are the best times for me to work on that. Afternoons, my brain starts to shut down. If I'm going to pass out at some point during the day, it's going to be in like two o'clock in the afternoon. Glad I'm awake at this point right now since I was going to record this, but you know. <laughs> I was like, Dan, are you there? <laughs> yeah, but the, the most productive time for me is is mid to late morning and like nine or 10 o'clock at night that, you know, and so those are the times that I was trying to schedule things. I also mentioned, um, normally mentioned when talking about time management, try to have your study time at the same time every day and ideally in the same location every day that will actually help tune your body and your mind to that schedule. So that again, when you sit down, your mind is already shifting into study mode. You know, it's like this location at this time, this is what I do and your body can prepare for it. It's just like Pavlov and the dogs, you know, classic conditioning. So what do you, uh, what do you do? You know, students all the time, you know, what, even when they're in, in person, you know, what do you do when you have questions or you don't understand the material? I'm, I'm just assuming there'd be some, you know, challenges to reaching out to a professor who's online versus reaching out to them in person. Obviously I can see depending on one's temperament, one could be or seem more daunting than the other, but yeah, what would you say people do if they have a question and don't understand the material? Yeah. So the, I mean, this, this comes up quite a bit. Um, and I mean, it's fun because people will, will ask me this when they have a question in their class about, you know, Hey, what do I do? And, and so, yeah, the, the, this answer comes from this. The first thing is, is you know, to, to be patient, be aware that it may be a while before you get your answer. And so while you're waiting, do some independent research. Mm. Um, take, a, take a good look at uh, the discussion forums and the announcements in the class. I mean, if, if you've got a question about, you know, course procedure, read your syllabus. That's because half your questions, more than half your questions are going to be answered there. You know, but if it's a question about course material itself, you know, go back through the texts, look at the references. I mean, if, if it's a, if it's a textbook, look, you know, cross-reference things with other chapters. If it's a, like a research book that you're doing, read the, the read the citations, go and see and find the citations. Remember that the library has got access to peer reviewed documents and journals. And if you're reading, if you're reading these articles and stuff, you can find the articles that these people reference in their own research. So, you know, go around the ground. If you're looking at like, if you're needing help with math stuff, YouTube, right? That's a huge one because YouTube is excellent for demonstrating skills and math is a skill. You know, um, there's also other websites, of course, uh, khanacademy.org is fantastic. There's site-specific ones. Make sure you use reputable sources. Uh, university websites are, are usually pretty good. Think, don't just think in terms of reputable, but think, what are sources my professor is going to appreciate? <laughs> right? So professional organizations, uh, university websites. Wikipedia can be good, especially if they've got good citations. Read the citations. Don't stick with the material. And remember to cross-reference everything with your course materials. Because remember, the professor is writing their tests and doing their assessments based on the course materials. So if you find conflicts of information, make note of where those conflicts are and stuff like that, but tend to lean towards the core stuff. And that may also give you an opportunity you know, to ask a, different, uh, a question uh, as well. When it comes to asking questions, it's very important to be as specific as possible. So if, if you come across material and, you know, you don't understand something, when you shoot an email off to your professor, don't just say, can you explain this to me? Because 
the whole course is about that potentially. <laughs> and so it would take 14 weeks for them to explain it to you. Um, be as specific as you can, because the more specific the question, the easier it is for them to answer, the easier for them to answer, the faster they'll get back to you. Yeah, and I, I presume that one of the nice things about looking at some of those sources, you mentioned Khan Academy and those sorts of things. That's really helpful, I know for me, to just orient how I'm asking the question, just to see, has anyone else asked this question and how have they phrased it? Sometimes it's, it's simple, like you said, on YouTube, they can, they're demonstrating the material, so that's really helpful. But then other times, it might be a unique question. I know that I've had professors like, that's really good. That's maybe you become an undergraduate fellow or something, um, even in an online context. So yeah, not every time are the, if if there isn't an answer is a bad thing, but yeah, those materials that you alluded to are certainly helpful. How responsive are professors typically in your experience, Dan, or, or, or what do you do if you don't hear back from them? I know that's been a, a big thing, especially lately. Obviously, you know, if you add COVID into the mix right now, responsiveness is a big question. Obviously, every, if you're, I'm assuming if you're doing an asynchronous component, that could be really challenging since a student could be in New York, they could be in, you know, a hot spot or something. Uh, so I guess that would be a two-way street, but what, what do you think the best things are to do if you don't hear back? So first off, professors, uh, we, we did some great focus groups uh, a couple of years ago with students, professors, faculty, uh, the whole nine yards. We did it with everybody. And all the professors that came said that they are, act, I mean, they actively want to help students. They're actively trying to help students. The only thing they ask is that you wait 72 hours before mm -hmm. you say, hey, did you get my email? So the, the, the first thing I would say is be, be patient because I'll get people saying, hey, I tried to contact my instructor. I haven't heard back from them. And I say, okay, when did you, when did you email them? And they said 30 minutes ago. You got you, you to gotta give them more than just 30 minutes. You know? uh, so the first thing is to be patient, which is why I mentioned doing all those additional things while you're waiting. When it comes to how responsive professors are, they are trying to get to you as soon as they can. You know, at least the ones, the ones that we talked to. So everyone's got different situations though. So be, be patient. After 72 hours, Feel free to reach out to them again. Uh, you know, it is possible that emails get lost. But also, I mean, take advantage of the uh, discussion forums. Most professors are active in their classes. They do. They are present, um, usually with discussion groups or with feedback and stuff like that. Don't be afraid. Feel free to hit up the different ways of communicating with them. Um, keep in mind also that, remember, the professors, uh, most of them teach on campus. They're required to have office hours. Those office hours are usually posted in their syllabus. Uh, if not, you can contact the department, and they should be able to tell you what time their office hours are. In the current situation, it's going to be a little different, of course, but don't be afraid to, uh, to call professors during their office hours. Now, if, you, if you've gone a while and just getting no help whatsoever, I'd recommend reaching out to the department secretaries, the department itself, just to see if the, if the professor is, is available in some ways. The, you, you, don't want to, you don't want to contact the department head. You know, that's the kind of going over the top. And, you know, I'm sorry to say that there are some professors that don't do a very good job on getting back with students. In those cases, yeah, do the best you can. Do not be afraid to bring that up and reinforce that in the course evaluation at the end of class. Those are taken very seriously. And, um, yeah, those, that's, in worst case scenario, that's, that's the, the best thing you can do in that case. Yeah, fantastic advice. And one thing that's also helped me a little bit too is, is try to ask myself, what platform am I trying to communicate with them on? I know for a lot of us, I'm a millennial, reveal that. 
I'm used to text messages, right? And my dad would respond to them like emails, 72-hour windows, which is a bit strange for text messages because the whole idea is that it's quick. Uh, but at the same time, emails are a little bit different. There's more time there, time to think about it. There's, it's not uh, out of the cultural context if it's a longer message things like that. And then I know like on Canvas, there's chat features, there's all sorts of things that, you know, if you're in a chat, think you're expecting a rapid response or a very quick response. And we even have chat features with admissions and orientation. So one thing that I've always tried to remind myself, but also remind students is to take account of what platform you're using and kind of know what the, you know, what the expectations are typically like when you're using them. Yeah, yeah. And many professors will put in their syllabus their preferred method of communication about what kind of the turnaround time's like and that sort of thing. So um, I think it's very important that you brought up an excellent point about the platform that you're communicating on is a very important consideration. Well, and another good point on your end, I know that, yeah, on the syllabi or the syllabus, usually they do make that, hey, I'm best reached by phone at this hour, email by this hour. And so maybe would you say it would be a good idea if you don't see that, maybe just to reach out to them at the beginning of the course and just ask them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I I think this is a, I think that now's a good time to mention an anecdote. In my, in my own family, my, my grandfathers were both doctors, one a medical doctor and one a doctor of education. Uh, he taught at Utah State in elementary education. And uh, in my dad's family, which when my grandfather was the professor, he didn't answer the phone after eight o'clock at night because students would find his home phone number. And so anybody calling after eight or nine o'clock at night probably wasn't related to him. They knew the rule. And so the phone just went unanswered. Well, my mom's family, my mom's dad was a doctor. And so if the phone rang at any time of the day, you always answered it because you never knew what the emergency was. Well, they, they had an interesting fight after they got married at one point when my dad was sitting next to the phone and it rang at about 930. Mom came in later and said, who was it? And dad says, I don't know. <laughs> and so they, they had to define a to find how this was going to work in their own home because of that. But it was a prime example that professors do sometimes set boundaries. And so make sure you check to see the best forms of ways to communicate with them. <laughs> yeah, that is a very good story and a very good point, Dan. Well, thank you listeners for listening to the Aggie Parent and Family podcast. Don't forget to check out our new student orientation podcast. We'll put this there as well. Um, for all of you who have reached out, we are now back and running even more so to try to make sure we're answering your questions during what would be typically the orientation season. I uh, know everyone has lots of questions with everything going on. Uh, please know that you can reach out to us at normal business hours. Check our websites. Uh, we'll put all of this in the show notes. And Dan, thank you for being on the podcast today. My, my pleasure, Isaiah. Have yourself a wonderful day. You too.